0: gentlemen rebel scum and loyal to the empire this is sit talk the show that talks about all things star wars star wars movies star wars comics star wars tv because that's a huge thing now um we just talk star wars um i'm your host zach chrisman aka the lord of lore and joining me is the lady of lore Lindsay. Lindsay, how the hell are you doing uh, so
1: much better now i missed that intro so much
0: Yeah, me too. We had taken some time off for sure, because you had a lot of things going on in life, and I certainly had a lot of things going on in life. Uh, So, what's new? Not you know, new
1: homeowner. Yeah, between a new home, some vacations. Let's say Jamaica. uh, One other family vacation. It's it's been a crazy, crazy, crazy five weeks but it's starting to like settle in and sink in and everything. So I'm feeling good overall.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, part of us, you know, not recording the episodes were, you know, primarily because you were moving and that's that's a tough thing to do anyway, but I had been busy doing a bunch of Spartan races um and there was a lot to learn there and just I feel like I've learn so much about what it is to do those kind kind of things. And I've been met with a lot of challenges during all of that and a lot of reward doing it as well. Um, there's a lot of good things going on. I mean, I finally, to, to our non-lifting people, sorry, but I'm gonna brag, I finally hit my deadlift PR at three fifteen last week and then I did it again this week, which was super exciting given the fact that I had been doing a lot more cardio in the last like couple months. And, you know, there's a lot of smart ways to get around cardio and stuff like that. But the general bro science is don't do cardio because it makes you weaker and just the fact that I had finally reached a PR that I've been really trying to hit for 2 years, you know, and 6 months of that I injured myself and finally hit that and then um you know, I did all these Spartan competitions and I did pretty decent on those. Um a lot of self-discovery, a lot of learning and um been doing a lot of music now. Um really ramping up stuff on that. So like we just been I've been very busy. And I've always you know, but it's been a really good self-discovery thing. Um for me. So I, I'm doing really good. And I I think, you know, me and you just always want to give the freshest show possible that we can. And sometimes you just need to take a break from it.
1: Yeah, no, it was... And honestly, there, there was enough going on, but nothing too monumentous where I feel like it was also a good time for us to have the hiatus. It's not like we had to, you know, cover any new episodes of anything or there was... You know, yes, there was a certain trailer that came out, but there was nothing so overly new and pressing that we absolutely had to get on the mic and record right away. But I'm just happy to be back and start to uh, chat a little bit of Star Wars again.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a minute for me on all things kind of Star Wars related. I, I like to, you know, the breaks are nice because I kind of decompress everything away from Star Wars. um, And then on those kind of breaks where I know we're going to be dipping down and then revving, ramping back up to it feels a lot better. Um, But let's so one of my questions is um, you said off air that you had started shadows or that you had finished shadows of the Sith. I just now downloaded it on audible and I think I'm like into the first chapter light reactions to it do you like it um
1: do you like i mean i love it but let's also not forget it was kind of made for me in the sense like i love rise of skywalker i love ray's lineage so i really enjoy it but this is also the story that i walked out of that theater the first time thinking like i need to know more about this and this is this is what i needed I'd be curious to hear someone else's point of view though, who maybe didn't have that initial reaction walking out of the theater.
0: Okay. That's good to know because I definitely, I definitely was interested in checking out the book. And the only reason I haven't checked it out, um, is just because of being busy, no secret. But I had kind of started to feel like with star Wars books, uh, excluding the high Republic that a lot of these like world books around the movies felt like little mini pockets in there. And I, it kind of made me lose a little bit of interest. Now shadows of the Sith. You mentioned Sith. It's going to sucker me in. Does this actually get to any portion of the Sith or is that just a, a cool name? No, like, give me a tease. Do we learn so anything new? We do.
1: We get a good amount of stuff. Not even so much about the Sith, but the Sith cult. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I don't think you're going to be disappointed at all.
0: Okay, then I, I mean, then I'm sold on that. Um, so that's exciting because I'm really kind of getting ready. I've been listening to a lot of stuff around the world lately, a lot of new stuff. It's super depressing. Um, just listening to that, but I, I like to stay. I go in balances where I listen to like fiction stuff and then I listen to podcasts and I kind of bounce around and I'm really starting to want to get back into like a star Wars book because I think it's been since the last high Republic book that I've really kind of been checking out star Wars. And I used to be so religious on every single book that came out and just somewhere along the way, I kind of lost touch. But with that being said, um, there is a, show coming out called Andor, and there's a lot of things that we've been learning about Andor. You know, we've learned that it's all pretty much practical, shot on, you know, not on the screen stage. It has many more episodes than Obi-Wan. They have, um, you know, released that this season is going to be based on uh, one year, but then the next year, or the next season, every... Uh, three episodes will be a year in the life, and then we finally got a trailer about our a trailer on Andor. How do you feel about Andor in general? How it's looking out to be the trailer itself? Um, there's just I mean, like we're in full Andor mode at this point.
1: I mean, I'm surprised not by the show or anything, but by the fact. Like, think of all the information you just gave me. I am so pleasantly surprised by how forthcoming they've been about all of this. And and it's not the typical, you know, let's over-theorize everything and, and think about what the plot could possibly be and who we might possibly see. I kind of like that they're just laying it all out there in terms of plot, in terms of story, and in terms of structure. So this way, we really can start to focus a little bit more on just, uh, hey, this is going to be a really cool story, and I'm excited to see what happens um it's not like Kenobi though where I'm sitting here thinking oh my god I'm going to live and die by this show I can't wait to see this this you know this is the story we've needed all this time I'm excited of course but more excited in the terms of like how I've felt going into Book of Boba Fett
0: yeah it's definitely interesting um you know, I wasn't really excited about Andor when they first announced this. I was like, ah, but why? Why do we need an Andor story? I get nervous about doing stuff where we ultimately know the characters end. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it looks sleek. I will give it that. I will say that I feel a little bit of the Kenobi burn, like based on my based on some of our concerns with obi-wan kenobi and the show itself after it was done obviously as a whole i really think there's a lot of magical things going on with that show it has some of the best star wars in it and some of the not so great star wars things is it weird that i feel like a little bit nervous to even get i mean like it looks so good it looks so big in scope it has a lot of elements to it But I'm I'm still feeling a little bit of the Kenobi burn as far as like production level as as far as storytelling that it's I'm excited. I'm very excited for Andor, but I'm not like as excited as like I was for Obi-Wan.
1: I get what you're saying and I'll try and maybe help you find some comfort. I think so much of the Kenobi burn came from the overhype in the beginning that I was just talking about. Whereas this, it's like, you know what? We know kind of exactly what to expect. We can go into this a little bit more casually and then just hopefully enjoy it and not have that disappointment or even have that burnout from it. I think it's going to be a fairly straightforward show. Not in a bad way, not in a boring way, just in a straightforward it's not the the star wars force the you know we're gonna learn all these deep dark secrets about force ghosts or anything like that it's just gonna be i think a good war show
0: the trailers tend to not look like something that looks cheap in any way shape and form in fact i think this looks like one of the most cinematic trailers that star wars has really Ever put out? It has a huge scope, but I, I just, I, there is a cautionary part of me that says, don't let them sucker you in again, because of the burn of the last two shows. And then there's another part of me that's like, this show is an Andor show that got greenlit when it really didn't make sense to greenlight this. And there's a lot of high names going into this show. And they're doing a lot of things that they don't normally do. Is it because the script was really there all along and the writing was super original? Um, there's just a lot of factors, and I, I'm like, i excited, but like, I, I just, I've kind of, I feel like I've been a
1: little burned before. Um, I mean, I also just feel get... that, like so much of it comes from the Diego Luna of it all. Like that's a man who loved being in star Wars. And I think his hype and his energy around this in press tours has always been pretty contagious. And I think that is the big part of it is in terms of why it was greenlit, why they're more forthcoming with certain things because they, they, I think have the confidence in him.
0: I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, and with with it being one of those things where they're doing a lot of things different. I, I think it's gearing up. I think the show looks really sleek. I, I love how it feels kind of like a spy thriller. and I I like that it seems like average people are playing the part. But then there's also scale. It, 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 the trailer, especially goes very much to like these grassroots rebellion. And then very sleek politics, like very fancy politics um, of it all. And I I really like how that trailer kind of plays back and forth with that. And so there's like, we're finally getting to see the Upper East Side of (laughs) Star Wars and the contrast of the everyday person. And that's something that we haven't, we kind of got that with the prequels, but there does, there does in this trailer kind of give me like a little bit of a lifestyle um, of the higher, upper echelon and i think that's very interesting because that's something that we haven't really seen i mean we've seen rich crime lords and stuff like that but we haven't really seen the upper echelon of politics like there's a lot of fancy yeah
1: but i think that you kind of have to have it at this time and place just to be able to show why people felt the need to rebel in the first place
0: yeah absolutely and i think mon mothma playing the upper echelon politician that's secretly working for the rebellion is a wonderful take um and i to be honest with you i mon monthma in this is is really cool that we're finally getting to have her play an integral part in an actual um cinematic medium yeah Uh, do you have any
1: predictions i'm kind of not so much predictions but more curiosity in terms of like How's this really gonna play out? How big of a role is she really and truly going to have in all of this? That's that's my my question. Like this still at the end of the day has to be an Andor trailer, right? Or an Andor show, right? This has to still be completely focused on him. And I'm curious just to see how they're gonna balance those big characters and big names and big plot lines while still being the Andor show. It's, it's not a fear. I don't want to, I don't want to say, say that it's not a fear. It's not a negative thing. It's more of just like a curiosity, like, Oh, what's, what's this really going to look like when it boils down?
0: Yeah. I, if I were to even like kind of answer to that, I would say that maybe, you know, Andor's dealing with all of these moving parts and different people in different walks of life to get things done um and so seeing these other characters they're just part of his spinning wheel and i think it's kind of interesting how many different haircuts scars has in this trailer i mean he has like <laughs> three or four different haircuts
1: well do you think it's going to be more like flashbacks and stuff
0: I definitely think time is going to be uh, out of play. And I, I also think that, um, yeah, I think time is definitely at play here. Um, so I, I don't know. It's The whole season's thing is pretty interesting. So they released saying that this whole thing is going to take place over the course of one year. And then the next season, every three episodes will be a year. And that seems quite interesting to me because... I I'm sure there's a plan for it and a reason, so I'm not concerned by it, but it seems pretty fast to go over a year and three episodes, but it also could be a very good way to do like, I don't know, a really good, you know, full story arcs that have subplots, but how do you feel about the, the year, like three episodes over the span of a year? I mean, it it seems like they have a game plan.
1: That's What I like, though, and I've always loved the Dave Filoni element of just like, hey, look, this is the story we're going to tell. We're going to tell it in however many episodes we need. And there's a lot of trust, I think, with the audience because of that. So I personally like when you know, hey, we have this plan, we have this structure. In terms of what it would look like, I am so intrigued by the setup of it all. Because how do you set it up so effectively where you can have that? So as long as we have this incredible, you know, get going and and all these, for lack of a better word, I realize the irony of using this word here. Um, But as long as we have a good catalyst, because that was obviously the name of the book uh, leading into Rogue One was Catalyst. But as long as we have that good catalyst, I'm cool with it. I I just like the idea of they seem to understand in a way and and hear me out they seem to understand that the premise of this is not we are setting up this rebellion and something big and exciting happens every single day of the rebellion. I always really like actually in rebels how they would have those those calmer moments and they're able to show that sometimes these people in the rebellion really are just trying to lead normal lives. You know, I love when Zeb like listens to music or something. I like the thought all in all then that they can set something up where they then, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this because it's not like being in the rebellion is boring, but it's almost like, look, you don't need to have one episode for every single day of a year. You know, the when you're in this rebellion, so much of it is going to be relief. So much of it is going to be helping the people who need. And it's not going to be 365 days a year of big, exciting espionage and battles.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Um Do you think we're going to see the Star Wars Underground Railroad, the path?
1: I don't know. Okay. I don't because I think they're trying to, just like the way Rogue One was so separate from the Jedi, and I always say, like, Rogue One's not the best Star Wars story, but it's a great, like, war story. I think it's gonna be very similar here where I think they're going to try and stay away from the Jedi and from the the mysticism of it all.
0: And I'm that's kind of as much as I I love the Jedi and everything like that. I don't yeah, that that's a big thing for me. Like unless they're the the part of the path is directly due to like trying to recruit. I mean, maybe they try to recruit a couple Jedi for an episode uh, and they go to the path for that reason. I could see why they would do that. But yeah, I, I we, we've heard rumors because Ian McDermott, you know, before Kenobi said that he had been doing some work for Lucasfilm. And so everybody kind of said, well, it's, it's Andor or it's the Acolyte or something like that. Well, I mean, spoiler alert, at the end of Kenobi, you get that little cameo that he was in and when that rumor was going around and people were suggesting andor i thought i was like i know there's a way to make that work but it really is unnecessary and and i feel like the emperor is too big to be a part of this i think this is all about the empire corruption getting your hands dirty to build this rebellion and doing things that you have to do to get there and get the job done and ultimately andor's past in rogue one is simply all about having to do bad shit to get the job done and it's not all just leo han and luke doing these heroic missions sometimes it's it's putting your hands into the muck and that's why everybody really found cassian as a character that they got behind what i would like to learn is two things. I'll start with the first one. I want to know, and I don't know if it's even necessary to have, but I want to know it. I want to know. I want to know his involvement, or as a kid, his parents, or whomever he grew up mm-hmm. with, involvement in the separatist movement and their specific mm. worldview. Like what? What was twisted to them? What did they believe? Because, in certain lights, when you look at all these conversations that we've had over the years about the Republic, the Jedi, how it could have easily come across as they are trying to gain control, whether it be the Jedi or the Republic, and trying to expand, and were basically the Empire, but called the Republic in certain respects to other people, uh, that they were trying to bully you to, to join them. There are arguments for that, and I think hearing a very mundane side of the separatist movement is very huge, and I think that's a big draw for me when it comes to Andor.
1: Oh, God, yeah. I mean, just the, the line, like, how great is that famous line of, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Like, you kind of have to explain what happened to him when he was six years old.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the second... The second thing, well, yeah, and I, I would like to know how he started work. I mean, you also got to think about that as well. The, just, uh, you know, he had worked with the, se- or his parents, whoever, had worked with the separatist movement, mm-hmm. but now he's working with what seems to be, in the trailer, Republic officials. So how does that conversation mm-hmm. happen? How does that start? How does he get in bed in Republic politics after his family or him had been, they had
1: been the opposition. I mean, I had just assumed this is some kind of like, not necessarily deep undercover, but still some kind of mission. No? Undercover mission to what? Well, that's, that's what we'll have to wait and see. Right. I didn't, I didn't assume as, you know, he's like really hand in hand, buddy, buddy with them.
0: Maybe not, but he's still working with the opposition. And that's fascinating itself. I mean, Mon Monthma was still a political leader during the time of the Clone Wars. She was a public face. And he's eventually going to be a part of that rebellion. How does that happen? How does he get in bed with people who used to be his enemy? Who are still under Imperial by public domain... How does he even find them? How does this happen? You know, there, there's also the, there's the emotional side of it, but then the logistical side. How did, how did he get there? How did he get in this situation? But then also, what made him join his enemies? Because they were his enemies not too long ago. And that's something I that we forget.
1: That, I think that this is all something that's going to be addressed I personally think pretty early on. I don't think the show is going to like center around that. I think it's going to be addressed quickly and then the show will go on from there.
0: So the show will move on. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I'm
1: saying like, that's uh, not, those, no, these I'm making a joke that not... the show
0: must go on. It's
1: a joke. Uh, Come on now. It been... We
0: are rusty, aren't we? It would have been better if you saying it. That's why. Well, I'm a dick. That's... Get some Freddie Mercury in here. um so one of the other things it's kind of been made an obvious i mean it it wasn't obvious in new hope about the senate and and dissolving them Mm -hmm. but i think that's another big thing for me is finding out the logistical like how the Senate actually works. Like we've we've heard in like the Leia novels that there's like the young senators group, and the Empire clearly had uh, plans um, for kids to learn how to do this and and climb up in the hierarchy. There were senators throughout that entire time. That eventually just went away overnight. We know that we've known that forever. But I'm fascinated with knowing what these senators actually do in this current state. What do they believe they're accomplishing? Are they accomplishing anything? Do they all know that they're accomplishing nothing? What are these political leaders doing at this start of this show? And what do they believe? Like, do what do they believe they're doing? What do they believe about the Jedi or anything like that? Like, what is their... I think the what I'm trying to say about the show... Is the most fascinating thing about the show. You're going to get characters that are like, oh, I hate the Empire. I've hated him the whole time. Like, I've always known that. Why am I turning into a frat girl? I don't know why I'm saying it like this, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, we're going to go. We're going to kill the fucking Empire. It's going to be great. Um, there are going to be characters like that. And there's going to be characters on the Empire side that are, you rebel scum. Um, but there's also going to be these these viewpoints and that's my biggest expectation of the show is what do the characters you've given me what is their what is their code what is their viewpoints what do they stand by what do they believe in and what what has this world how has this world shaped their view and how they ultimately serve or go against our title character
1: Well, that's why I think um, Lost Stars is what it is today because it gave us that, right? It gave us all of that, not like information, but such a good understanding of, hey, look, sometimes these are good people just trying to do the right thing. And there's only one other book. And oh, I think it's the first Thrawn book, actually, which we know I'm not a big throne fan at all in, in the new canon by any means, yeah. but that I think did it really, really effectively with uh, governor price where it's, you know, you have the, the lost stars aspect of like, these are good people. They're trying to do the right thing versus the governor prices of the worlds where it's like, no, they're in it for this purely self-motivated reason. And we go from there. But, but I, I like now on the big screen that we'll hopefully get to see more of the Governor Price version of it, which is, you know, they, they understand they're kind of ineffective, but they're in it for their own power.
0: Yeah, I definitely, I just, I... Yeah, I, I emphasize on wanting these... Wanting these... Every character we're given to have a purpose. And and that's the point with all of these episodes that we're getting for Andor, because we're getting like, what are we getting? Are we getting, we're getting nine the first season? I think we're getting 12. Yeah, 12. No, it I was either nine or 12. And that's the purpose with, with getting 12 episodes is you get a shift away from like in Kenobi, you had Kenobi, Leia, or Kenobi primarily. And then Vader was like, kind of like you understood his backstory, but like they didn't have to write much around, like showing you his perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you had Leia, you kind of already knew cause she's a, she was a, you know, a child. So it's a little bit more of a simplistic character to write as far as motivation. And then you had, um, with a light hit on Reva, But with a 12-episode show, you can really layer in character development to where it doesn't have to be always about Andor. Andor is the focus, but you have to come up with these beautiful um, side characters that matter. And I often go back to the Netflix Daredevil series, where Mm. Daredevil was the primarily, like, he is the title character, the title show. But you really get to know Karen Page. You really get to know Foggy Nelson you get to really understand who Wilson Fisk is and his complexities and you get to know Electros and these characters have layers. You understand them. They're, they're well-written and you, that's something you simply can't do with six episodes. I really hope that in the next coming years, we stop getting these six episode series because it's like somebody came out and cut that Obi-Wan into a movie and it was really good. I watched it like, it cut out a lot of the bloat and it was it was amazing. Like I'll probably watch that every time I'm getting the Kenobi itch. Because it's just like six episodes. At that point there's just a lot of bloat without any build. Um and with these more I mean, like more is not always better. We all know that, but You have to actually let a show breathe. So between hearing Andor getting 12 episodes and then Daredevil Reborn getting 18, I'm hoping that Disney Plus moves away from the shorter season. I think like eight with the Mandalorian is like the lowest you can go before it doesn't feel like just super cut up. Because Boba Fett was short and... You know, Mandalorian still feels super quick, but it has enough time to get there, and that's because the writing's beautiful, but it's really good to see that these are beefed-up episodes.
1: I mean, there's a time and a place for it, right? Like, there, I think Kenobi is a little bit more understandable and excusable for why they could do these six episodes because we had that backstory, right? Like, we knew who all these characters were. They didn't have to take their time, but other things, like this one, yeah, you can't really do a six-episode series. You need that whole thing. You need the the building the characters, and you need to be able to start to set up that plot. So this one, I think, absolutely has to be 12 episodes. I just wish they would stop doing the whole, and we're going to drop three episodes on the first week. It's like, just let this be 12 weeks. Now
0: that's where I'll disagree with you, because... I do think a show like Andor needs legs, and we also don't know the pacing of what this is, and given the model of what they're doing with season two, they're going in three-episode arcs, so I think to set the show, if that is the way the show is set up, to really get people to dig in, because Andor is not Kenobi, it's not going to be Kenobi, you can make these trailers look amazing. But the word of mouth is going to be the winner on this. And you have to really give somebody traction from the gate because there is no Vader. And Lucasfilm has been, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that says Lucasfilm is afraid to do anything that doesn't have a Skywalker in it. And guess what? This one doesn't have a Skywalker in it as far as we know. And I think that they want to... Get some traction under it because people don't really understand. Now, Mandalorian was very much like a Boba Fett type. This is, is something really, truly new and special. And while a lot of people love Rogue One and Cassian was the big takeaway, it has to come out big. And I think it really has to hook people within that first week so that they can gain their traction moving on.
1: So sure, I think it's I'm... important. No, see, because the reason I disagree is selfishly, like, yes, you know, I like to wake up at 3am and watch these a couple of times before work. And when you do three episodes, you can't do that. So like, yeah, it's annoying for me selfishly and personally. But I think of like the Drews and the Adrianas and the Marks where like, they just don't have three hours in the first day to watch it. Like Drew, it's going to take him a few days to be able to set time aside between work and his kids to actually sit down and watch and enjoy this. Right.
0: But Drew's ultimately Whereas gonna I, watch it.
1: Yeah, but I like the thought that like this could come out and I can go into work and talk to people about it. Not oh there's so many, I need to sit and like really watch what I say and make sure I'm not spoiling this for someone.
0: I don't know, because I think like if it if it's good enough you will make time for the show. You really will. Like if the show is good enough
1: Drew's I I don't think I don't think that's a fairer Fair statement at all. You don't I mean, look at how crazy our our schedules get. It's like some some people don't get to Absolutely. set everything aside. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: But I will tell you that me and Sarah, you know, we're we, we bust our ass at work. We I mean, you know everything that I've done and I've explained to you guys, you know, multiple times. Yeah, me and you both live very, very busy, high demand lives. One hundred percent. But it was nine o'clock two days ago. And, you know, I was talking to Sarah. I was like, hey, we should watch something. We haven't really, you know, watched something lately. Let's start something that we can watch. And we started a show called The Bear. And it's about a chef in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Tyler keeps trying to get me to watch that. And this was supposed to be like, you know, one episode, maybe two. And then we'll go to bed. Well, we, and I'm a, I'm a 1030, I'm out, I'm done. We stayed up till 12 o'clock and we watched almost that whole season in one, in one night. Now they're half hour episodes and there was only eight of them, but we stayed up and, and I was pushing myself to do it because it was that good. And I get it like not everybody can do that but I'm saying there are a lot of people out there who don't have time to do it at the end of their night. If it's that good, they are going to keep coming back for more. There's a reason that it's called binging. Um when it comes to these Yeah, TV but shows. I'm saying
1: it it takes the fun out for everyone because now you have to do the stranger things the Oh, did you watch it yet? How far are you? Oh, I don't think I'm there yet. I'm just not going to say anything because I don't want to do the spoilers. Like It takes out a lot of that fun and a lot of For the of first excitement. couple
0: weeks, maybe. Yeah. But well, once they catch up, the traction really gains.
1: I and hope so. I'm not convinced.
0: I think this is a good move. And I think it's going to get a lot more traction. I think this is going to help with the word of mouth, the traction... And when people have a full arc to review, especially when it comes to reviewers, um, movie pundits, which get pulled all over our social media, and they pull people in with their, you know, obviously their clickbait because that's how they make money. That's not like a bad term. They have to do it with clickbait. But if the show's really good, it's going to be all over people's social media and they're going to see very quickly. And there's going to be enough of this show to really get a good review outside of. You know, like lately we've been hearing House of the Dragon first episodes really, really good. It pulls well, super serious, but there's really nothing. There's not a major like enough bulk there to give the fans any kind of real review because it's still like, uh, oh, it's the pilot episode. Who knows? There's enough. not they're going to be enough of the show to really get the momentum going as far as where it's headed.
1: I I understand the point you're making. I just it's don't just think a you, stupid point. It's a stupid point, yeah. Because my whole thing is just like, I want to be able to wake up early in the morning, watch it a couple times before work, and then actually like be excited about it, not have to temper it.
0: And see, I just want to get home after work mm. and have an experience. After I'm done with my workouts, after I'm done with everything, Grab um, a steak and some potatoes, or whatever meat I'm cooking that night. Set it down at the dinner table, or at the at the the coffee table, because that's where I eat my dinner when I am watching TV. And just really get to lose it in there because I love TV. But sometimes for me it's too short, and it's like with Miss Marvel. I ended up letting Miss Marvel stack up. Because I like to be enthralled in it, and it feels like little. Sometimes it's just like two. It's there and it's done, and it, I'm so used to the to the binge format of like fully. But I get really invested in stuff. So it, it these quick little chapters. It's ultimately why I kind of stopped doing once a week one-off comics and I kind of let things build up a couple issues because I don't feel like the retention is there, the the actual getting in there. So for me, it, it it's quite the opposite, but I'm not getting up at 3 in the morning because I refuse to do that.
1: Yeah, but isn't that two-year Like, I refuse to stay up until 12.30 at night the way you did.
0: <laughs> well, touche! <Yeah.
1: laughs> so it's really more about personal preference but again like we are very lucky that we get to i know so many people who don't have that option
0: well uh then huh <laughs> you put me in a box gotcha because you know i mean I, I don't know i sound like a dick when i'm saying it but they'll get around to it and i fortunately get a watch all of it and i'm excited because i really as, as good as the show looks, as much as I, I'm nervous because of the Obi-Wan thing and just kind of how sometimes the production has looked when it comes to the, the, stage, um, the stage craft, I think the show is something different. But it also is something yeah. different. So I need it to hook me. Not that I'm not going to be here talking about it every other week on Sith Talk and deep diving, no matter what. Obviously, I am. But I'm... I want to see what the fuss is all about because this show should have never been made. In my opinion, like without a script, if somebody were just pitch, yeah, we're going to do Andor, like out of all of the things that they could have done, that they could have greenlit and they greenlit Andor. And that's one of the it, it's it sounds like a negative, but I just mean like it might just be that good and so i'm here for the intrigue of not only the show but to see what the fuss is all about because when you look at i do a lot of like study of film tv what shows get announced what shows do get announced this is what i would call a hollywood wild card
1: because it should have mm.
0: never been made i mean it's not a he's not a major star Wars. there's a thousand other characters you could have done
1: you know that would automatically pull in name you know, we're really forgetting, and I feel like everyone's forgetting. Sarah Marshall? Yes.
0: But also, I'm okay. actually cliff diving. <laughs> um, by the time this episode records or is uh, out, I will be in Hawaii, and uh, within the week, I will be jumping off the same cliff that they jump off in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Fun fact. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Anyway, sorry.
1: Sorry. Um, No, what I was going to say we keep forgetting is that this was announced pretty much like at the dawn of Disney Plus. Yeah. Like, this is not a, yeah, this is not like a Disney Plus was going really well, so they decided to do this. Like, this has been a really long time coming and a pretty early on gamble. So I think that we're forgetting this is still in a way testing the disney plus in the streaming waters
0: right um which is that more suspect for me it's sus because it was greenlit so early on in a time where disney plus was so unsure and i'm pretty positive uh the mandalorian hadn't even come out when this was greenlit so because it was greenlit in such a unsure time and it's such a random character to do a show about at least to me it's got this it's got this high dollar value to me like there's there's a reason and that me that's telling me that the show is something special Okay. That that's what I'm ultimately. I I don't know if I'm yeah. saying it correctly, but that's what I'm trying to say. Like this. No, is, I
1: think you are. Yeah.
0: It, I think it's going to be something special, and it sounds like things are going really smooth. It's it's completely away from Filoni and and uh, Favreau in its own right, and I think that's that's a that's a good thing too. I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I know we love everything that Dave Filoni and John Favreau do, and we worship them. I I clearly do, but it's completely on its own two feet and it's it's exciting um to say the least and I, I definitely can't wait for us to talk more about andor is there is there any like kind of final thoughts about andor uh any predictions or there's nothing we're just waiting to see where Not it goes
1: predictions more the yeah waiting to see where it goes because like we need to remember the whole point and the biggest draw of Rogue One was the fact that this was totally separate from the Skywalker saga. Right? So if that and and that's why the final sequence where Vader comes in and and Leia's there, that's why it was so surprising. So I'm just interested to see if they're going to surprise us by actually keeping it separate or if they're gonna try and surprise us with more cameos.
0: Um, I, I hope we don't see any Vader or
1: I kind of hope so, too.
0: Yeah, I really don't need that. Because I think it was... There's
1: ways they can give us fun cameos. Like, I honestly think, you know, not that we would ever get Maul, but I think, like, and this is going to be a great segue to the final topic, but I think having, like, a Kira set, like, cameo would be cool. Something like that. If we could see more, like, Crimson Dawn and shit like that. That I think would be better than what we've been getting used
0: to. Yeah, I would I, I would think that would make sense. Cause that's very much in line with like what Rebels does. So that that would make sense. I just mean like getting away from Palpatine and Vader. I really don't care who else shows up if they're necessary within the story. Um but you know, I mean I guess if Vader's written well in the story too, he can show up. I mean, anything written well is gonna be received well if it's written well um but i kind of got my vader itch and i'm good on vader until you know the next couple years until we get a story that makes sense for him to come back and this show seems to be really taking itself on the ground so whoever they are i hope they are you know foot soldiers
1: same same i think it will then i hope
0: So any final topics or anything before we wrap up?
1: Um, Well, just I wanted to hear your thoughts on the uh, new Charles Soule comic book.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's see. I did pull that up. Uh, Yeah,
1: that was how my nice Kira segue came in. You can just leave me with that.
0: The final chapter of Charles Soule's Kira saga has been revealed starting this November. Star Wars Hidden Empire follows the events of War of the Bounty Hunter and Crimson Reign. Um, This new story is designed to deliver the big finale to Kiora's story, at least this phase of it. She emerged from years of hiding with an elaborate, incredible plan to bring down the Sith, and Hidden Empire is the endgame. It brings in players from all over the Star Wars universe, Dr. Avra to the Knights of Ren. It'll be satisfying. I'm excited for this. I did see the cover of it, and I have not kept up on War of the Bounty Hunter. I've kept up on the Vader comic, Mm-hmm. But I think this has enough pull to where I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested in anything Charles soul does. So this is something I'm going to be picking up and reading. I do have a tendency lately, though, to get really selective about my Star Wars comics because they, again, they do feel like I
1: mean they oversaturated. For they
0: a they oversaturated,
1: but and on the same thing over and over and over. Yeah,
0: and there was like certain arcs of the Charles Soule Star Wars comic that were that were actually like the mainline comic that were very compelling. The whole Luke Skywalker, um, you know, and his father, dichotomy and and going and training and with various and like the hidden High Republic stuff that was in the background of all of that. There's a lot of fascinating stuff, and Charles Soule is still one of the best writers in Star Wars. So yeah, I'm definitely interested in checking it out.
1: Yeah, it's like you kind of need almost a highlight reel of the comics, but if you were to look at the highlight reel, I think 90% of it would be Charles Soule.
0: I would agree with that. I would actually, yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I think he is the Star Wars comics person. So, yeah
1: i don't know if i would be as hyped up about this if it was anyone else doing it but the fact of the matter is i don't have to worry about that because it's not somebody else doing it
0: yeah and i will give kevin scott some love too because that high republic comic the main line mm. was was pretty pretty damn good um but no one does it like charles charles soul and that vader comic is still one of the best stories that has come out in Easily. disney disney Easily. star wars history so
1: regardless of the medium without a doubt yeah
0: All right, guys, I think that will do it for this episode of Sith Talk. You can find Sith Talk under the Clashing Sabers podcast feed. Uh, You can check out Clashing Sabers under our Instagram page. You can check out Sith Talk under our Instagram page. We post on there um, sometimes frequent, sometimes not, but check it out. Um, You can find me at Sith Talker25. Recently talking all things Spartan races, Star Wars, and. Just general health and fitness and barbecue. Lindsay, where can they find you? And also tell us a little bit more about Clashing Sabers.
1: So best place to find me is going to be on the Clashing Sabers Facebook group. Um, Feel free to go join their um, comment on this show or any of the other shows on the Clashing Sabers network. Uh, Make sure you tag me in it, too, though, if you really want to have a discussion, which I am always, always, always game for. Um, but more importantly is, other than me, the entire Clashing Savers network and foundation. Aside from just being a network of all of our podcast shows, we are first and foremost a nonprofit organization. And our mission is to get as many books into different schools as absolutely possible. Um, so we do um, obviously take financial donations, every single penny we make goes right back into school districts throughout the country. We do not keep anything for ourselves. Nothing goes towards equipment or advertising. It is 100% a nonprofit. Um, If you cannot join financially by joining our Patreon page, feel free to help us out in other ways. You can go to clashingsabers.net. And if you want to donate books, you can. If you even have a school or a teacher or a classroom that you think might need some of these books for their classes, let us know in our a Teacher page, and we'll, we'll be more than happy to send them some materials as well. Um, so that's really it for, for me and for Clashing Savers.
0: And then with that being said, may the Force be with you.
1: Always.